Take out your outlines. We begin again on our series, Putting Faith into Practice. And in this series, we're learning lessons from the book of James, which is a practical manual for Christian living. It's interesting, much like the Sermon on the Mount, there are about 20 things that are cited. The same principles are taught in the Sermon on the Mount and in the book of James, who happened to be Jesus' half-brother. Now, as born-again believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're called to obey God in what part of our lives? But in, aren't there a few, a few parts, a few places you get to decide for yourself? What do you think, Rowdy? You get to decide a few for yourself? No, no, no. No area of our lives is up to our judgment. We're saved, first off, through the truth of God's Word. This is on the, the top of your, now it's really kind of a brochure, isn't it? We have questions. I mean, we're trying to help. See, you, you, you can do this by yourself. You can answer these questions with a friend, with your spouse, or in a small group. So we are trying to give you more and more ways to grow in the Lord. But the verse from last week, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. We're born again by the word of God empowered by the Holy Spirit. But we're also given direction for our lives through his word, the Bible. When I say the word word, scripture, they're just synonyms for Bible. So I'll use all those different phrases, but they mean the same thing. The Bible is our sole source of information about salvation and eternal life. What other source is there? Now, there are people's opinions and their true experiences, but they're all based originally from the Bible. That's our source. So my point there is be careful when you start cutting sections out of the Bible and you decide that the Bible doesn't apply to me in this area today because the only source you have is the whole of the Scripture. A genuine relationship with Jesus will be evidenced by a desire to obey. John 8, 31, 32. So as we begin, hold up the mirror. What is your attitude toward the Scripture? Is it your authority or is God making a suggestion that you may or may not take in an area? Do you obey it? unreservedly that's the proper attitude towards scripture now we're going to look at how obedience results it results first from receiving God's word properly you can even write that word in and there are several principles we're going to be in James James chapter 1 you can turn there we'll remain there today really we're going to remain there for a while So first we want to receive God's word with willingness. James 1.19 Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. 
Now, a lot of us have heard that passage, may be familiar with it, but we weren't aware that it related to how we approach the Scripture. But that's why I began this by reciting verse 18 about the true word. And then the passage that follows is about how we relate to the Bible. Quick to listen means listen carefully. Pay close attention to hear God's message clearly. When you attend preaching, when you listen to teaching, when you discuss the Bible with others in a group, when you read it yourself. Now, is everything that I say authoritative over your life? No. But everything that God says is authoritative over your life. So you listen to me, but you want to hear God's word. And whatever is not from him, what do you do with it? Throw it away. You throw it away. So be quick to listen. That doesn't mean I'll be careless. I do study, but if I misstate something, you have complete authority to cast it aside. Slow to speak. Slow to speak means pause to think, even pray over what you're hearing or reading before expressing your opinion. Some of us speak without thinking. Some of us say we think while speaking. Many of us speak without thinking. But especially if you're teaching others or you're passing along the truth of the gospel, take some time for reflection, some prayer to hear God. So be slow to speak and slow to get angry. And that does refer to hostility toward a truth in the Bible that displeases you, that confronts your personal sin or it conflicts with your personal beliefs or behaviors. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because, verse 20 says, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Anger or hostility toward the truth of God is hostility against God. But you see, rather than being angry, we should be willing to hear. And you know what? If right now, if God's has his finger on something, our response isn't to get angry, to throw it away. It's to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Receiving God's word with willingness means that you want to submit to what God's word says. Is that fair? How many of you want to submit to what God's word says? Be careful. I can't see all of it, but he can. And the application of this is, am I more concerned about my opinions and preferences or God's? Because ultimately it's one or the other, isn't it? We must also receive God's word with goodness. And this word goodness really means with, with morality, with purity. First part of 21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Filth 
is a Greek word, ruparia, and, and, and it refers to any kind of immorality or impurity. It's closely related to the term for wax stuck in your ears. A friend of mine was losing his hearing. I won't name him. He's in the church. I don't want to embarrass him. And, and he went to the doctor, and the doctor just, just pulled out a big chunk of wax. He said, you're not losing your hair, and you, you're just all clogged up with wax. But if we allow filth in our lives, it plugs up our hearing. It impairs our hearing. Because immorality, like wax in the ears, pre- prevents... Us being able to hear clearly and comprehend the Bible. The word evil, kakia, denotes the intent to sin. So it's deliberate, it's determined. The first is the presence, you see, of of sin. This other word is an intent to sin. And this might be concealed... You see what I'm saying? It could be hidden below the surface, but it's kind of a stubbornness. You know what I'm talking? You know anybody like that's kind of just stubborn? Don't point. But basically, you're saying, I will do this. I will live this way. I will decide this matter, regardless of what God's Word says. There's not a more dangerous place to be than that one. And it will eliminate your ability to hear. Indulging evil, intending to continue in sin, disable you from hearing. Restrain your obedience. Because we're rejecting anything that rebukes our behavior. That feel familiar to anyone? We should also receive God's word with humility, 21b. Humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. Humility just means I put this word over myself. The Bible, I I view the Bible as trustworthy, as reliable, as authoritative over my life. So, so I don't reject it or resist it. I've already decided I'm going to accept it. Whatever I can comprehend, I accept. Humility also includes teachableness. Which means we allow God to instruct us from his word. It also says God's word is planted in our hearts. Now that includes memorization, but, but God's word has been planted in you. Because if you're born again today, you're born again by the word of God being planted in your heart, but being illuminated by the spirit of God. So that it convicts you of truth. Those of you who are born again, I couldn't convince you Jesus was not the Messiah. It's personal to you. You see what I'm saying? It's not just something you know. It's something that knows you. 
So, so it convinces you of truth. It convicts you of sin. It confirms your faith. It confers direction for life and decision making. For it has the power to save your souls. Now that refers to initially being saved from the penalty of sin. And that's, as I said, when God's Spirit convinced you of the truth of the good news. You see what I'm saying? That happened to you. That didn't happen by you. Unfortunately, a lot of us made decisions as children, but something didn't happen to us. A decision was made by us. This is different. This is what what being born again is. It's when the Holy Spirit illuminates and really explodes the truth of God into you so that it saturates your mind. It also refers to the Spirit's use of the word to convict us of sin. And that saves us from the power of sin in our present life. But it also reminds us of the truth that we'll be forever saved and separated from the presence of sin in eternity. Our justification meaning our sins were paid. Our sanctification means we're being made more holy. We were declared holy by justification. We're becoming holy by sanctification. And our glorification means the way we live in eternity all occur according to the truth of God's Word, revealed and applied to our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. So do you receive God's word properly, with willingness, with goodness, and with humility? Obedience also results from responding to God's word personally. You see, once we've received the word properly... We must respond to it personally. First, by doing it. Well, that's simple, isn't it? Just do it. Y'all don't know that slogan. It was stolen from here. (laughs) Just do it. I think, you know what? That ought to be our slogan, David. David's given us a lot of slogans and stuff we need to memorize. But how about that? Just erase everything. Say, just do it. Don't just listen to God's word, verse 22 says. You must do what it says. Otherwise, what does it say? You don't believe that, do you? You're fooling yourself. You don't believe that? No, that Bible couldn't mean that. Don't just listen, do it, which is your prerogative to decide what you want to do and what you don't want to do. That's what it says, isn't it? This was a markdown version. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Let let me tell you this, and be careful you hear clearly on this. Knowing the Bible is of no help to you if you don't apply what you know to your life. Here's a problem I see, and I can be guilty of this too. Sometimes when we have intellectual knowledge of something in the Bible, we don't ever ask whether we're obeying it. 
You know what I'm saying? It's like somebody says, well, well, why are you living like this? The Bible says, and instead of saying, well, I need to repent, we say, I know that. Is that right? You husbands and wives, y'all are squabbling about something, and the wife says, you know, you didn't do this. I know that. Well, you're supposed to. I know that. I know that isn't an excuse. But we use it as one, don't we? Just because we know what this says, okay, so I don't have to do anything about it. Some of us don't even know it. I know that's not an excuse for not obeying. A true believer won't be satisfied with merely knowing the word. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit will irritate the fire out of you. You know what, you know what, I'm, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, you're just restless, you know. We try to blame somebody, anybody. And the truth is the blame is our own disobedient hearts. And the Spirit said, mm, look here. Mm-mm. You know, right when you're saying something, you know that, you feel that twinge. You're saying, well, so-and-so, so-and-so and you feel. Y'all, do you know what I'm talking about? That's the Spirit saying, uh-uh, shut it down. This is about you. You're projecting out there. This is about you in here. Any response to the Word, the Bible, the Scripture, other than unqualified obedience is self-deception. Say it again. Any response to God's word other than unqualified obedience is self-deception. That's what it said. the verse said, didn't it? A profession of faith in Christ must result in a changed life that now hungers for God's word and desires to obey. Or we can't have confidence that we've truly been converted. Is that too strong? When you're alive, you have hunger. Anybody ever seen a brand new baby? That child is hungry soon after emergence. After being born, you're hungry. When people say, well, I don't know when I was born again. I'll say, well... You love, do you love God? Do you love his word? Do you love his people? Do you desire to please him? Those are four simple diagnostic questions. If you say no to all of that, you better examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. If you're satisfied with just attending church occasionally or even regularly, but you don't really intend to apply what you hear or you make the final decision if you and I'm not talking about what Perry says what Perry says is completely unimportant what God says is of complete importance final ultimate importance you might be fooling yourself about the state of your soul verse 23 
For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. How many of you looked at a mirror this morning? You don't need to, huh? <laughs> I, can, I can tell. <laughs> Why'd you look in the mirror? Somebody answer me. You had to check. You might have looked a mess, right? Hairs all sideways. See, if you're alive, I don't know if it does that. I think rolling over will do that one. But, but, but you look in the mirror to assess yourself, right? Is that, is that why you do it? I mean, most of you look kind of quaffed and brushed and, you know, you pull out those wild hairs in your eyebrows and get the hair, you know, what you have and, you know, get this face, you know. I mean, I mean, I know I don't look that good, but I've done, put in some effort this morning. <laughs> but you do the best you can with what you've been given or, or in my case, what you have left. But you take a look. You know, those of us that are losing our hair, we got to figure out that new imaginative way to, you know, swoop it around. I tell you, I think I'm going to vote for Trump because I'm going to tell you, I've never met anyone smart enough to do something with your hair like that you cannot figure out. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's a plug, a comb over, a wig. I can't tell. The man's got something I like. I don't know. I thought about dyeing my scalp brown, but when I go gray, I don't know what I'll do. So that's aside the point. The point is, why would you look in a mirror if you wouldn't even brush your hair? Why would you look in the Bible if you don't intend to do what it shows you? That's the point. Mirrors in those, this, this time of the Bible's writing were mostly just real polished, highly polished brass or bronze. Wealthy people might have one made of gold or silver, but they weren't as good as a glass mirror that we have, but that didn't start until the 14th century. But it was sufficient to see yourself, to get a, a good look at your image and, and seeing what needs attention and doing nothing about it is foolish. Just like listening to the word and not altering your life to align with it. If the word shows you something disturbing in your life, or if the word causes you to doubt your faith, whether it's legitimate, and you do nothing about it, you're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. Responding to God's word personally also includes studying it. Verse 25. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Perfect law encompassed all the Old Testament scripture. Because remember, at the time James was writing, there was no assembled New Testament. James, it's believed that James, in fact, wrote the first letter that became the first book in the New Testament. Since Jesus 
fulfilled the law and, it, and the prophets. Belief in his sacrifice, not just obeying the word, but belief in his sacrifice that he fulfilled everything the Bible commands sets us free from sin. Matthew 5, 17 through 20, John 8, 34 and 36. But look carefully, refers to a person bent over, really looking closely at something, examining the Bible to discover its, its deepest, its most complete, its most personal meaning so that you can do what it says. And that's the way to be blessed by God. If your eternal life and the quality of your life on earth is based on learning and following the truth of God found only in the scripture, doesn't it demand and doesn't it deserve Time and energy on your part. Your entire destiny is in this book. How much time are you spending in it? The way to a spiritually blessed and prosperous life is faithful study and application of God's word. Do you respond to God's word by doing it? Do you respond to God's word by studying it? So you can better obey it. If so, you will be blessed. Obedience also results from reflecting God's word practically. And we do that through first self-control. Verse 26. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. He uses that several times, doesn't he? You're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. The word religious, originally the Greek word, referred to, to rituals, liturgies, routines, and ceremonies. You know, the practice of faith, particularly in the, you know, in the temple. But today, the correlative today would be attending church services, engaging in activities of the church, participating in a small group, doing volunteer work, uh, following various rituals and ceremonies like baptism and the Lord's Supper, saying prayers, reading the Bible, having right theology. Do those things matter? I know that's a hard question. All of those things are good. We're directed to do them by the Bible. But they have absolutely no spiritual value in themselves apart from saving faith. Now the point of this verse is that the way we use our tongues, what we say reveals our true spiritual state rather than the religious practices and service we participate in. 
Does that sound shocking? Let me say it again. The way we use our tongues, what we say, reveals our true spiritual state better than the religious practices we participate in. Let me, let me re- read you a parallel verse in Matthew. Turn to the left, Matthew 12. Verse 34. If you don't have a Bible now, hopefully after this message you will start bringing a Bible. I don't mind those little electronic versions. But y'all know I have a prejudice against them. But I don't mind you having them. <laughs> and you can download the outline as well from UVerse, right? Huh? Version Bible app. Get the Version Bible app. But I, and I, so I like the fact that you have those. I just compare it to like my daughter and her GPS. If I said, okay, now, Evan, drive to Clemson where you went to college for four years. <laughs> She'd go, no awareness of roads and maps. You know what I'm saying? That's the problem, I think. If you have only electronic, you can lose... You lose the landmarks. You lose the feel. But I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> After I've already shamed you over it. But um, <laughs> Matthew 12, verse 34. <laughs> you brood of snakes. This is a complimentary morning, isn't it? You brood of snakes. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. You don't believe that, do you? That must be a misprint. Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. So what do you say? A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And 36 and 37 just say one day you'll give an account for all these words. So how do we use our tongues? Do we gossip, slander, spread division, criticize, speak harshly, talk vulgarly, obscenely? Like my mother said, don't you talk nasty. Do we curse, swear, talk angrily, cruelly, disrespect God with our words? Misuse of our tongues by itself does not condemn us. Hear me clearly. It does reveal the state of our hearts. See the difference? We also reflect God's word through compassion. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the word world, world corrupt you. But, but I'll get to that last part in a minute. Pure emphasizes cleanliness. Uh, genuine just means freedom from contamination. But both of these words refer to religious practice, actually faith, 
that's accepted by God. Another reflection of the Word of God in our lives practically is genuine concern for the welfare of others. Especially those in great need. Now the neediest persons in the early church were orphans and widows because there was there were no there was no life insurance, there was no government social program to support these people. So if these children without parents and these women without husbands had no close relative who was willing to help, which is another matter, they might have had a relative but who was willing to help, they were in a desperate situation without the intervention of other Christians in the church. True Christianity is manifested by how we love and care for those who are in need, especially those who can't repay our charity so that meeting their needs is actually sacrificial in nature. Again, it's not the good work itself that makes our faith acceptable. Rather, the assistance, the compassion for people in need reveals that our hearts have experienced God's grace so grace overflows to others. A professing Christian who displays no compassion for people who are poor, oppressed, and powerless should question his or her true spiritual state. You know, unfortunately, it seems that there's a, there's a declining number of churches who are investing in people of real need and more investing in building more buildings or more campuses and that kind of stuff. Years ago, we, we didn't do a lot in missions. We were paying for this building. We were, we were you know, paying for, for things instit- institutionally, you know. But boy, I was convicted about that, and so were others. And so we set a plan to, to give away more than we consumed we're not at that place yet but we began today we give away one third of all the collections either for missions or benevolence which is a healthy number it's an unusual number in this nation but we haven't stopped we need to go I long for the day when we give away more than we consume and I'm talking about everything salaries paying the lights everything And you know, when I read this about widows and orphans, we're supporting 1,300 orphans. And that number keeps rising. That may not even be an accurate number today. Somewhere between 1,300 and 1,500 orphans, building them a place to live. And I hope you all realize this. We we have sent over $5 million to India, more than a million dollars a year. But here's here's what I want. I want us to be inspired by it. I don't want us to celebrate that because I don't think we're there yet. You see what I'm saying? I want us to really just say, and that's right. You see, um, 
And thankfully, you know what they do? They employ widows who cook the food for these children. And then they employ people, or they don't employ. They use people like guests, like us when we're there, to serve them. But never use your left hand. And I'm left-handed. So... But there's more to do. This collection is a good start. You know, if you haven't brought a can, shame on you. Bring some cans to distribute in San Susi. You know what I'm saying? Care about the needy. Care about someone besides yourself. Please. Take a stand. You know what? I don't a stingy heart does not cannot have confidence of conversion. Another way we reflect God's word is through conviction. And the last part of that verse, and refuse to let this world corrupt you. What controls your thinking? This culture or God's word. You know, I hope that as this culture is awash, you know, unfortunately, it just depends on the morality of the administration. And we haven't had a very moral administration. And so there's a departure from God's standards in morality. You see what I'm saying? Now, this nation may go. I mean, if we keep going this direction, Supreme Court gets filled with people like this. We used to have a standard that was Judeo-Christian in terms of, be, in terms of behavior and what's proper and appropriate. That's, that day is almost past. Do you hear me? Even if it passes away, we stand. God determines morality to us, not our culture. Now, you have to decide for yourself. Well, I might get criticized at work, yes. I might get fired, yes. I'm not saying be belligerent and be aggressive and assaultive at all. You have the nature of Christ and everything. But you stand on what's true, and what's true is from God. What's true does not come from the Supreme Court. I told you all last week, they can determine legality. They cannot determine morality. The two aren't the same. I told you all last week, it wasn't that long ago that separation of the races was considered right. Oppression was considered right by the Supreme Court. The same Supreme Court that's saying that where we stand as Christians is wrong. Are you going to reflect the truth of God in your convictions through self-control, through compassion, through conviction? Let me urge you, spend some time in the Word. Today, read the whole book of James. It won't take you long. And then read a section every day. Where those little headings are. Every day until we finish the series. And let God plant the word of God in your heart.
Soul training this week. What has God revealed in my life that needs to change? Act today to obey. Father God, don't let us be indifferent toward your word. Don't be, let us be complacent toward your truth. By your spirit, stir us up. Convince us of truth. Convict us of sin. Conform us to the image of your son. In whose blessed name we pray. Amen. There are people at the front that would be happy to pray with you or counsel with you. Also in the Care Connection room.